This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown and the Now News panel on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown alongside Michelle McQuig and Joita Gupta. Let's get into the next topic. South of the border, 41 states are suing Meta, a.k.a. Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, (laughs) etc., for harming young people's mental health. The states allege that Facebook and the Gram are knowingly designing features that can lead to addiction. The lawsuit argues that Meta unlawfully misled the public about its products. The federal suit also accuses Meta of violating the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act by collecting personal data on users under 13 without parental consent. Michelle, this is a really interesting story. I'm curious how you want to explore it. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into the legal aspects necessarily or the, the, the particular legal arguments invoked here. They're really complicated. Oh, boy. Uh, as you mentioned, there's like 41 <laughs> states involved. So I'm not going to get into those weeds because I would find myself hopelessly lost within seconds. But I do think it's a really interesting case and an interesting approach to try and tackle this through the courts. In every circle I've ever been part of, inevitably you hear the conversation of social media sucks, it's toxic, get off it, it's it's horrible for you, it's, it's depressing to be on social media, etc. I mean, yes. These are, I mean, well, this is it. Like, is, is anyone here going to argue that they're wrong? Because I don't think they are. Um, but this, these are adults grousing, right? These are adults griping about this in, in sort of very everyday uh, colloquial terms. Um, but... Introducing kids into the mix does add a whole other layer. And in, in all mm-hmm. seriousness, those conversations take a different turn altogether when I start speaking to my friends who are parents who are terrified of the day that their kids get on social media and all the ramifications that come with that. So I think that the, the, there are a lot of aspects of the social media impact on society at large worth discussing. But with kids in particular, that's an interesting way in for those who decide to tackle it from a legal standpoint. It's certainly one that's probably going to get more buy-in in terms of legal resources and, and public interest and and, uh, and public backing, frankly, because I suspect that these are going to turn into some pretty expensive court proceedings. Mm. Um, but th- th- these suits like this raise a lot of interesting questions about the role social media plays in our lives collectively and specifically on kids. And I find that very interesting. It's also interesting to note that this is this particular legal action is concentrated in one country, the United States, whereas we know these are global products. So certainly, yeah, I'll be I'll be interested to see if those uh, similar sorts of cases make their way further afield, like, let's say, north to Canada. That, that's mm-hmm. been an observation that I've had for about six months now, Michelle. There have been a lot of government cases south of the border, north of the border, over in Europe that are really targeting social media and big tech. It mm-hmm. really feels like a shifting in sands. The three of us talked about it probably about a month and a half or two months ago on this panel, where it feels like governments are really starting to take notice. And, Joita, one of the reasons why I think that is, is that it's tough to form a court case without evidence. 
The three mm -hmm. of us might not be lawyers, but we're well aware that it's tough to win a it's tough to win a court case without evidence. And over the last ten years, there's been a bunch of academic research done, specifically in the last couple of years, about social media and youth mm -hmm. mental health. And and a lot of the evidence is starting to come into play here, data-driven evidence. And mm -hmm. I think that's where this conversation really sort of can 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 find a hinge point before it expands out more broadly speaking. And for fear of being accused of quoting the Simpsons, won't somebody think of the children? The children. But, 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 but Joita, I can really see where a story like this resonates with people, whether they have kids or not. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's not the first time that a, that a story involving chin, children has had broad repercussions, whether it's about traffic safety, whether it has to do with the location of pot shops, you name it. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a real mm -hmm. cultural ethos about protecting the best interest of the child. And that's been an idea entrenched in our minds for a very long time as, and I will happily die on this particular hill, as it should be. And so in in, in a one sense, this is a, a continuation of arguments that have said that, that, that exposure to television is really bad. And I think there has been a lot of study, uh, there have been, uh, there has been a lot of research and studies that have looked at the impacts of social media that, you know, we, we've coined the term internet addiction. Uh, and so I think it'll be very, really interesting to see how those two issues come together in this particular lawsuit. The desire that many jurisdictions have to reign in social media in some form or the other, and uh, a desire to protect children, which has been around for a really long time. I think to your point, and you are absolutely correct, I think this entire legal process does hinge on the evidence. You said, who would ever disagree that social media is addictive? Well, I've got a couple of guesses as to who would disagree. <clears throat> Facebook. Big tech companies, perhaps? Big yes. tech investors, companies, investors, in, yeah. investors in those companies. Instead, same. Yeah, no, all fair. Totally. Yeah. So so it'll be really interesting to see whether the evidence stands up. I mean, it, it clearly stood up to peers scrutiny in, in, in the academic world, but it'll be really interesting to see if it holds up in a court of law as well. Yeah. You know, there's also been another piece of evidence. I just want to flag this is that, that some of that was introduced by uh, Meta whistleblower. Uh, there was a yeah. woman who blew, who sounded the alarm on this a couple of years ago. It led to Meta actually scrapping plans for an Instagram platform specifically geared towards children. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there, there is in terms of evidence, there is internal and external research to mull through for the courts. Yeah. There's also journalistic evidence too. the New York times and Washington Post both did huge exposés on this as well, leaning on some of that academic, some of that academic research. So, the, like the, the evidence, the evidence to discuss is out there. But Michelle, you and I clearly have been spending too much time together, even though we haven't hung out in person <laughs> since the pandemic started, or maybe a couple times since the pandemic started. Because yes, one, things keep getting in the way of our plans. I know, I anyway. know. But what, <laughs> but one of one of the things that I always bang the table about in this conversation is that the lens about the heart of spaces like social media or any kind of uh, vice or, or or whatever you want to call it needs to, the lens needs to be expanded beyond children because to my mind there are a lot of adults that are being negatively impacted by social media companies as well who are part of the maybe uh, the 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 misrepresentation of the platform and the buy-in and maybe you can say hey an adult can make their own decisions mm -hmm. but they were also dealing with the reality of perhaps a lack of information of what they precisely knew they were signing up for when they started using these platforms and i know, I know that's very speculative but how might the lens expand in this conversation beyond children 
Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, maybe maybe we don't need to reschedule those plans because I had a similar thought when I first read the story. Of, that's interesting that they're concentrating just on children when there are all kinds of ramifications for adults that get discussed. You talked about one aspect. Another one that I would flag is something that's in, in the case of Facebook specifically. There are many adults who signed up for one product and are now dealing with one that's completely different. The products yeah. have changed dramatically over the years. So what you initially signed up for is now not what you're on and not what you intended. Um, so that that's another area where people get uh, get locked in to a degree, I think. But there, there, for all the research you talked about, youth, there is equal amounts of research of detrimental effects on adults. And you're, the, the companies have tried to address some of the critiques surrounding youth by implementing controls like parental controls and warnings to get off the screen. Uh, you know, one can question how effective those measures are going to be, but there are things that can be put into place targeting the youth population that won't mm. work for adults. It would not be appropriate for adults. Mm. So in many respects, I think adults are navigating this with fewer safeguards. Um, and the, the research is mounting there as well. And certainly the pandemic exacerbated all kinds of things. And social media uh, has been blamed for the breakdown of all kinds of things from individual mental health to uh, discourse and democracy. Genocide. So there, like social media has been blamed for genocide. Yeah. So like, there's no end of, of ramifications for older populations that I think will have to be assessed at some point. I don't know how, though. Uh, the, the thing with the kids angle is that it does give it a much more specific and engaging hook on which to hang a legal argument. And yeah. I don't know if that's going to work in, in an adult context. I, I should probably do more than just allude to genocide. I should at least back that up with a little bit of the fact on that one. Uh, it was the genocide in Myanmar where uh, where social media was put right in the crosshairs as a way of organizing some uh, genocidal efforts. So I, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. Uh, but but uh, if I was going to allude to it, I might as well actually full-blown uh, make the reference. Uh, Joita Gupta, you were right mm -hmm. to identify that at, at the core things about children are going to resonate, and rightfully so, because children mm -hmm. are the future, and they're vulnerable, and they're super important. But mm -hmm. if you were to broaden the lens, how would you apply the lens the, to the conversation beyond just the child or children or young people focus? Well, look, I, I want to pick up on where Michelle left off, which is to say that we can all agree that there are ramifications for adults that are serious, and I'm not going to regurgitate them because I think you've both done an excellent job. But Michelle makes a really cogent point and a convincing point that it is very hard to meet legal tests based on the perception that adults are fundamentally different from kids, right? Well, if you're an adult and you're old enough to vote, you're old enough to own property, you're old enough to have sex and get married, then surely you're old enough to monitor your own social media use. So I'm not saying that there aren't ramifications. That's not my point. My point is it'll be much harder to win a legal case on that basis. Mm -hmm. The other thing mm -hmm. that I'm going to say about the distinction between kids and adults is uh, and again, with the caveat that I'm not, I don't have a background in childhood development, but I believe a lot of the research actually points and, and we know that the brains of children are constantly developing for the first, mm -hmm. you know, 12, 13, 14 years of life. Yeah, and so yeah. early exposure to social media means that it is fundamentally changing the chemistry of their brains in ways that I think, you know, for I grew up in the late 80s and the 90s. I don't know. I'm not asking you guys to age yourselves, uh, but I don't think because right. I, I think our, our I think <laughs> yeah. our minds maybe work in a very different way because we didn't have 
and over we didn't we weren't overexposed to social media. So I think there are harms to children uh, that maybe aren't as well understood that don't actually exist for adults. Well, no, it was Nintendo and Sega Genesis that broke my brain. That's 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 how I ended up. The, <laughs> that's how I ended up being the human that I am. Too much Garfield, Nintendo, and Sega Genesis. Uh, Michelle, I I, I want to come back to you though on this on this conversation because one of the reasons why I will perpetually shift or try to zoom out and bring the adult perspective into this conversation is because I think far too often there's a sense of people in our generation or older than us who will simply say only children can be vulnerable and I and I just think like that is wrong mm -hmm. oh I mean that, that I I don't even have the words to refute that it's it's a it's absurd on its face that kind of claim and and yeah I think that's I do suspect that there will be a case stemming or focusing on the adult perspective, but it might not be the sweeping class action type of situation that we're seeing here. Maybe in that case, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'm speculating here entirely, and, and this may be entirely without legal merit, so please uh, take apply salt liberally to what I'm about to say, but maybe a way in for that would involve someone launching a grounds on uh, focusing on the ways in which the the social media giants have evolved their their processes and their tech or maybe there's a particularly horrible case and you know i i fear that that someone might be out there like that maybe a particularly mm -hmm. dire case of an individual who had their mental health destroyed mm -hmm. through social media access or mm -hmm. something but i suspect it would require a bit of a different approach than what we're seeing Certainly. in terms of this legal case um but is there are are there are there rife grounds for this kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I just think it would require a certain amount of expertise in, in an area of law that, frankly, is still evolving. That's it's, just part of it, yeah. too, is that this is a very fluid landscape. These social media giants are relative newcomers to the world and the, yeah, and the corporate yeah. and political scene. And we're still trying to navigate exactly how to deal with them. And that, that I think, is why we're seeing such this spate of of court action in the past few months, both in the United States and in Europe. Well, you're right. We talked about that earlier. Uh, but part of what I find quite interesting is that we haven't seen much of that action at all here in Canada. Everyone is just playing catch up on social media right now from a regulatory point of view. And when you say new, Michelle, it, it's really worth noting that when you're talking about social media, maybe you want to go back to MySpace, right? That's the early 2000s. Maybe <laughs> yeah, you want to yeah, talk yeah. about Napster, but we're still talking about something that's, that, that's, oh that, that's, maybe, oh that's maybe 20 or 23 years old. But maybe in earnest, like really in earnest when you're talking talking about the vast presence of social media, you're really only talking about something that without a university email address, you couldn't get to Facebook to like 2007, right. 2008, That's right? right. So, so you're and really- these guys didn't evolve into the multi-billion dollar corpse they are now within the past, what, five to 10 years tops. Like these yeah. are- these are babies on the corporate scene. Uh, yeah, Facebook went public in like 2013 or 2014 as a publicly mm -hmm. traded institution. And yeah, the algorithmic expansion. It, 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 it's just one of these things where, where sometimes the regulatory framework and the research framework is just going to be behind the times. And that's at the core of tech. Move fast mm -hmm. and break stuff. Right, like that's like yeah. that's what they do. So there's always going to be a little bit of a game of catch up going on here. Uh, let let's leave it here, guys. I think that was really thoughtful, and I I'm 100% positive social media will come up as a topic on the panel in the future. But I want to make sure that coming up next, we have at least a couple of minutes to talk about eight Scotia Bank branches across rural Newfoundland. 
and Labrador are slated to close. And it begs this question, what should the obligation be for bank companies to keep branches in small towns? This is the Now News Panel on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.